Thank you very much indeed. Uh, good evening. I'm Cathy MacDonald, and it's my very great pleasure to welcome the creative team behind Elizabeth is Missing to this uh, short Q&A session. I think everyone here would probably want to join me in congratulating you on a compelling, sensitive, and wonderful piece of film. Very, very moving, um, very sensitive portrayal. Um, Andrea, I wanted to start by asking you about how you go about adapting a piece of work from a book that is essentially in the head of the character. How do you take that out and make something visual out of it? Oh, I think it's... Is that on? No. Yes. I think yes. it's quite... It is. A, it, it's quite a... It's a challenge. I mean, I won't lie about that. It is a challenge, but... And, and the beauty of Emma's book, if any of you have read it, is that she tells the story of dementia from inside the head of Maud. So you're, you're with her, you feel her frustration, you feel her, her, her anxiety, you feel her panic. And so what we all felt we had to do was get that, was do that. Because otherwise, you might as well tell it from an objective point of view. And we absolutely didn't want to do that. We wanted it to be an immersive experience. So the decision that I came to eventually was that everything had to be from Maud's point of view. So you never see anything happen that she doesn't witness or she or she doesn't see or she doesn't tell you about. And also she's an unreliable narrator, so you don't know whether or not she's telling you the truth or anything like that. So so I think that that is what makes it very compelling. You Usually when people write about dementia or direct or produce films about dementia, it's an objective viewpoint. You're, you're looking, you, you sometimes mainly do it from the point of view of the carers or the family or whatever. This is totally from inside the head of the person who is experiencing the disease. Um, and that was a challenge, but I mean, I'm hoping that, that, that you all found that compelling. I mean, we certainly, I, I wrote it from her point of view. Ashling directs it totally from Maud's point of view, and that was our intention from the beginning. So that's how we feel we have been very true to the essence of Emma's book. And Ashling, I mean, it's it, there's a responsibility and there's a pressure when you're um, working or you're attached to such a sensitive subject. How do you reconcile that with creative and artistic freedom? Well, you you know, you do research and you find usually you find one person that you can work with. We had a wonderful uh, advisor um, that Glenda and myself met quite early on actually Chrissy Glenn and myself met her and so you get the you know their questions you know the first question we asked was well what has she you know what disease what are we talking about what stage is this disease at and you get the feeling for all of that and and once you get that right and you've made decisions about that then it's uh you know she is playing you know a character who's in her own world actually uh rather you know happy in her world yes she's frustrated and yes she understands that this you know illness is you know at various stages you know she's angry or she's frustrated whatever it is but that's playing you know there are many other ways to there are other characters that you play with in different ways so you just you get something that you feel has a reality to it and that's right we also had a novel which is great because Emma's novel obviously inspired by her own grandmother and 
and then you it just happens you know you don't kind of dwell on it too much beyond that you know and it's a thriller too of course so so there's a story here as well which is kind of made more complex by the fact that as you said Andrea Elizabeth is not Elizabeth sorry Maud is an unreliable unreliable narrator so you have this confusion going on in our minds too and there's humour which I think is what lifts it too and and what for me was endearing was the fact that Maud is not a victim at all. She's very much the heroine yeah. of the book. And very strong. And, you know, yes, you see everybody around her falling apart at various stages. Her daughter, who's, you know, the prime carer, for want of a better word, her granddaughter. You know, that scene where she doesn't recognise her own granddaughter. and They've had a wonderful relationship at the beginning of her story. Um, and there are those gaps. I mean, I think one of the things we talked about were... You know, when she goes to the police station, they, he says to her, you were here yesterday. And she goes, was I? And you think, God, how many times has she been there this week? You know, so, you know, those things that are uh, rather lovely to kind of play with as well, those gaps, you don't know whether she's been here before, how long, how many times has she visited Elizabeth in hospital, for example? You know, uh, she doesn't remember. It's and nuances yeah. that yeah. come through. I wanted to ask you, Sarah, how you felt about this when you saw it initially did you had you knowledge of the book or was it the, the script you read Andrea's script you read first of all yeah well, I was the book had been published by the time I I joined STV productions and had been a fan of the book just as a, as a reader but assumed the rights had gone which they had so obviously was delighted to discover that the rights had gone to the company I had just joined and um <laughs> which was a stroke of luck uh thanks to as, as Andrea mentioned earlier on uh Claire who's our wonderful head of development, who had spotted it in manuscript before it even went to Frankfurt, and it had become the, the publishing phenomenon that it, it went on to become. Um, so it, it, it clearly I was a, a, a fan of the book, and, um, and then uh, Andrea was attached to the book, and it, it felt like the sort of perfect coming together of the right writer with the right material, which is what, what we all strive for in development. It's a thing that... I sort of we all work hardest to, to find the kind of uh, ma- matching the sensibility of a particular writer to the material to do justice to that because the, there's a version of this book um, as an adaptation that could have really focused on the mystery and the thriller and we went down quite a few sort of rabbit holes <laughs> at one point we did a draft that was all about the mystery and we were bolting on loads of story that wasn't in the book and the more we did that the more we drifted away from the book the more we realized that actually that wasn't working and we came we kept coming back to the book even though we had to lose some things that weren't in the book just by virtue of the fact that it was a 90 minute film I think in the end we kept coming back to the truth that was in the book and the fact that really this was Maud, this was just Maud's story and the mystery and the thriller for want of a better word was really a means through which to explore this disease and this story and Maud's story so in a way that was our Trojan horse for the audience and I think one of the reasons the book has been such a hit um, was because it, it took people into what could be an incredibly bleak subject but did it through mystery but through doing that really excavates the experience of that that disease I think and I think to Chrissy as, as producer um, the importance of and the social responsibilities involved in getting this right getting hitting the right tone too 
Yes, absolutely, because obviously you're dealing with a very delicate subject. A lot of people know a lot about it because a lot of people have been experiencing it and are still experiencing it. So you want to be true to them, uh, but equally you're telling an individual story. It's somebody's personal story. In Emma's case, it was her grandmother. In our case, it's Maud. And every case is individual. And I think you have to be true to the uh, spirit of the book and true to the spirit of the script. And you know, you're creating a character. You're not. She's not every woman, but she has to. You have to believe that this character exists, and that you're saying something true and respecting her actually, because I think that's a really important thing. You respect Maud, even though sometimes we've seen. Helen gets really angry with her because she's behaving in this appalling way, but it's still her mother and it's the disease, you know. So I think it's, it's you, in the end, you are making a piece of drama which has to have a truth. Absolutely, and I think that's what we need to remember too, Andrea, because there's some very, very moving moments there and getting them absolutely right, but touching upon things that might not be comfortable to watch, but they are the reality for many people. Did you have someone in mind immediately, once you'd recognised the, the character of Maud? You mean someone that I knew? Uh, well, did you, uh, a person, did you yeah, my, my father, well, you mean the yes, actor. I was thinking yeah. Well, my father had dementia and my grandfather, so I had personal experience of the disease, although they, were, they didn't have Alzheimer's, they had, my father had vascular dementia, completely different, because it's an individual disease, as Chrissy pointed out, and it's a disease of the brain. It's not something that everybody who gets old will get. It, it is actually a disease of the brain. And it, and it always strikes us as being really unfair that... Well, not unfair, because it's terrible if you get cancer, obviously. But if you get cancer, you get a Macmillan nurse. You get benefits. If you get dementia, you, you have to sell your house to go into care. And there's something really wrong with our social justice our social care system that that happens but in terms of you saying about the actor uh, actually it was Ashling who came in to our when we met Ashling, when Sarah and I and Chrissy met Ashling, we, we only interviewed one director and that was Ashling because she was just perfect and we said to her do you have anybody in mind who are you thinking of and she just said Glenda Jackson and the rest is history <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> no, it's uh, partly, I suppose, as a director, you know, when you read a script, <clears throat> for me, I know it's something that I should probably do if I can see pictures in my head and I can picture an actor out there and I can, you know, see us making the film, uh, which I did when I read the script. And I thought, you know, the character's written as 83, 84-year-old lady. I mean, you know, there aren't, after you kind of go through the dames, um, you know, there aren't... Actually, Glenn is the first person that came into my mind. Um, I had been talking to somebody probably a year before that, another project that, again, had an elderly uh, leading uh, female, and I suggested Glenda, and they said to me, you know, you'll never... You know, she's not a... you never get her. And then, of course, you know, we in London had seen her in King Lear and she was on Broadway and I just thought, you know, she would be perfect because also there's something about this, you know, that the kind of unique, that, you know, you don't know what she's going to do. We haven't seen her on screen for 27 years. Um, and I'd been a fan since I was a kid, you know. And, um, you know, so we said, okay, and then how do we get her? You know, how do we get somebody? Like, the only way to get somebody like that in my 
experiences. You get on a plane, you fly out to wherever they are, and you, you know, bring the book under your arm. You try and persuade them to do it. You probably have an hour. Um, I remember she was in New York at the time because she was uh, playing King Lear on Broadway, and I knew I'd probably have an hour. And I got to the address about an hour before the meeting, and I sat and had a coffee, and I thought, right, that door is going to open up. And I can't think about it too much. I just go with the feeling when I go through the door of of the room. I think I put, you know, she said, hi, I'm Glenda. And I said, hi, you know, anyway. And um, we had a great conversation for about two hours. And, and yeah. And um, I came back the next day. That was it. Yeah, I was in New York for... 18 hours or something, you know. And actually would have been sacked if she hadn't come. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, there was, I think for everybody, actually, to be fair, there wasn't anybody else. Because you think of her and you cannot think of anybody else. She's so, she's so brave, she's so honest, she's so... You know, she's one of the finest actors in this country. And at 83 years of age, is still, you know... Give, I mean, it's, you know, two times Academy Award winner. It's just extraordinary to have got her. And, and, and she, she, inhabits, she inhabits the character, certainly. But yeah. it, uh, an absolute coup to Sarah, because 27 years since we saw her on screen, and she's even better than I remember her from way, way back. She just completely just steals Well, I mean, she, she is... Uh, the thing about, to go back to what Andrea was saying, you, you, the, the film rests on you going on that journey. It is Maud's film in every way, so you need an actor who is going to take you on that journey and power your way through yeah. the film. And she does that yeah. in, you know, we always, of course, you know that Glenda Jackson's an amazing actor, but we hadn't seen her for nearly 30 years. So, um, but that in a way, as Ashling said, is one of the most exciting things about it. I think it's because you don't know what she's going to do. There are other actors who are very fine actors, but you kind of know what you're going to get. <laughs> And that was the really exciting thing about it. And she has, you know, well, I mean, it's, isn't it a dream come true for all of us? I feel like I can retire now. <laughs> you know, work with Glenda Jackson. Hey. I think, too, though, to watch someone who acts so viscerally and projects what you've, what you've written, what you've adapted from Emma Healy's book, that in itself must have been incredibly powerful because you can never be sure... What were the biggest challenges for you in terms of watching this come to come to what it's become? In terms of the whole process, I think it, I think persistence and keeping the faith was quite hard at times because, I mean, Sarah will tell you we were on this before Ashley and Chrissy came on. Sarah and I and Claire Armspach were on this for six years. Two thousand and thirteen, I got sent the manuscript. And it's now 2019. So I think it was persistence, it was belief, it was the desire to tell this particular story because we all felt it was important and it was worth it. And also because we loved Maud so much because she is an extraordinary character. I mean, her her light might be diminishing in terms of her mental faculties, but her light is brighter than ever in terms of who she is and what she says and how she how she interacts with the world and you you just want to go let me be like that when i am 83 you know that have to have to still have that life force and that was there in in emma's book in maud's character and that is what ashling and glenda have done in 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 creating maud for the screen in that sense they've taken what i wrote 
and they've been so respectful and so true and so amazingly, um, I mean, as a writer, you, it's a dream. I, I'm going to be really honest, it's a dream come true because you slog away and you slog away and you slog away and it's graft. It is absolute graft. And you think this will never happen and I've got to keep going and oh my God, it'll never happen. Oh my God, it's going to happen. <laughs> and then you're like, oh no, somebody's actually going to read this and say it. And, and then you start to panic for different reasons. And then a director, a producer comes along with an actor like that and takes it and treats it like a precious thing. And it is the best thing for a writer. It is, it's, what you, it's what you dream of. And I know that sounds a wee bit naff and a wee bit kind of twee, but it really is because you've worked, you've been there. You've been, it's been in your head for all those years and to see it. I mean, the first time when Sarah and I went into the edit to watch the first cut, we just wept. And yeah, we had work to do. We all had work to do on the cut, but it was the fact that it existed was, uh, I mean, it, I don't have the words for that, and I'm a writer, and that's pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think there were a few people, uh, a few sniffles near me tonight. I, I noticed some raised hands, and I don't want to hijack this Q&A, because we don't have terribly long. So please, you know, I think we have, well, we've got quite a few people here. Maybe you represent different organisations. Maybe you just have a close connection with the subject matter. So uh, just raise your hand. We'll get a mic to you if you want to talk to the team. Any? I just want to say congratulations. It was wonderful. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Well, that's rewarding in itself. I mean, it, it's it's one of these things, though, in a sense that silences you almost. Mm. I felt because I saw it before, and a couple of people who viewed it for a, a press piece um, we we did last week were just blown away by what they felt was just the accurate portrayal of um, dementia, and I think that's something that's difficult to do um, at any time because is what you bring to it, is how you write, is how you direct, and so on. That would have been one of the challenges. Did you ever, ever think this is, this is not going to work, or did you know it was going to be a winner? You know, you, uh, you, we had a great script, and there's a great novel, you know, so you've always got that, but particularly, I mean, me coming on board as a director, really, the novel is a help in terms of just maybe filling in detail, getting, you know, it's really the script. And and then you have Glenda and like a great team of people, you know, uh, cinematographer and designer and, you know, costume designer, all those people that kind of buy into, you know, what the piece is going to be and bring their talent to it as well. You know, you can't make films in any other way. And you've got to... Uh, you know, of course you kind of doubt it every day, but you've got to go... <coughs> you know, five weeks filming in one direction and think, right, whatever happens at the end of it, you know, we'll have whatever that film is, but at the centre of it will be this, you know, rather amazing performance. We've also got, you know, the young girl, Liv Hill, who plays her as a 16-year-old, you know, the challenge is to, say, cast that role to get that right because, <clears throat> I mean, one of the difficult things are in in in, in the script was... And it's, and I'm trying to remember how it was written down. But the first thing you think, oh my God, I've got the 83 year old yeah. Maud in the scene with the 16 year old mm. Maud, mm. and they're kind of interacting with one another. And how am I going to do that so as it's believable? Um, and, you know, sometimes they, 
I'm not saying they talk to one another, but they're existing in that space. Um, and then we have the haunting of this other character that has obviously in the past um, a character that you know the the, the woman in, in you know in in black that you know is obviously quite a haunting, frightening character. I've got that as well, and so and then there's the thriller element of what happened to you know, and you've just got to make decisions about things and try and 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 you know just go for you know. You just go for you don't have time to think actually when you're out there about that you just got to go forward you know whatever you film today you know is now gone you're on to tomorrow you know and in the hopes that you know you just hope that you i could you know glenda's at the center of it all so you know and then all of these other wonderful actors some i'd worked with before some i hadn't you know bringing their unique talent to it as well you know and all death it's wonderful when you're you know out there and you've got you know, uh, somebody on the team, let's say in the design department, no, no, she'd never do that. Maud would never do that. And you think, oh, you know, no, no, she'd never she'd never have a handbag like that. Or, you know, whatever it might be. And that's where, that you know, that's what you try and do as well, is actually bring everybody, you know, bring their talents to kind of uh, be part of the piece as well. There's a very powerful scene, I don't know what you think of it, where um, it just happens literally in half a second when Glenda Jackson fails to recognise her daughter. She talks to her as her daughter and the timing there is, is, is quite incredible. I don't know for you, Sarah, just watching, even just taking yourself out and just being a viewer, did that feel as powerful as it certainly did for me? I mean, that scene in the script, I probably have read that scene hundreds of times and I probably cried at yeah. it at least 80. <laughs> that, that scene in particular is always really 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 got it's, me that yeah. scene um for for obvious reasons but i think that is the, that is the magic of working in where we work because you imagine the scene in your head so many times and then you see it directed and performed the way it does and it it, it just it's that magical thing isn't it when it when it's when it's sort of it almost exceeds your feeling about it and of course then we proceeded to see it and cry all over again <laughs> I mean, there's always a, and there's always a scene for me as a director always a scene in a script that makes me want to make the film and that's the scene in the script really? that wanted me to make yeah I mean at that to, to yeah that's the scene that made me want to I mean, the, I think it's the timing. Timing is absolutely key. It's, she just gets it right. It's just that split second, a beat, and then she, she, she recognises I mean, I think, them. I think that's the sort of genius of someone like Glenda. Her instincts are just beyond compare. She never, ever misjudged something. Her instincts are so sharp and right and truthful. She just never gets that stuff wrong, does she? I mean, it's extraordinary, really, to watch. It, it, it is. It, it's hugely instinctive. I don't know if you, um, if you felt, Andrea, that uh, there were times when you were writing and thought, no, this isn't it, and, and uh, because there would have been several rewrites, I know that. But <laughs> I can honestly tell you <laughs> that in my folder, Elizabeth is missing on my mad de desktop, which needs somebody to come in technical and sort it out for me. I have 121 drafts of this particular. Now, they, not everyone no. saw those, obviously, <laughs> and some of them I would never show to anybody because they're so bad. But, yeah, I, I, I wrote this, I wrote this um, film a lot. Um, at one point, we were doing it over three hours. Um, so we were making stuff up, as Sarah said, and then suddenly it became 90 minutes and everything fell into place. Yeah. 
Um, so, yeah, if writing is rewriting, and that old cliche, but it's absolutely true. You, you've got to, um, you've just got to keep going at it and digging it out and hoping that eventually it will just reveal itself to you. And I was just lucky with this book. This book is, it's, it's beautiful. And so I was lucky and very privileged, I think. And Can I ask, did you leave out the mad woman's death? Because it wasn't seen from Maud's perspective. No, we, we, we actually. Sorry. No, in actual fact, um, it was because we shot it and, and it was an interesting scene, but it did feel suddenly uh, you kind of understood about it. The most important thing was you understood what Doug was doing and that he hadn't hurt Suki. That was his, and, mom, that was his mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. Yes. But, yes. But in actual fact, it's not about Doug really. So really, we, we did the scene and it kind of worked in context, but ultimately it took us away from the story. And it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's, in the book it works, but it is a, it's a separate piece of information that ultimately, it doesn't ultimately matter that it's his mother. And I think it, that, that's the thing when sometimes films are different from, from books, that it felt whole in the book, but I think sometimes you have to just focus. Uh, yeah, did that work for you? Yeah, I think that is. I think it's very interesting when you come to adapting, you know, adapting a book that people adore and love, and is, you know, I mean, it's a bit. This book is a bestseller. It's got an amazing um, sort of cult following. I suppose I don't mean cult in a horrible way, cult. I mean like a really. It, it's very <coughs> beloved, and I think when you read a book, you are making the film up in your own head. It's mm. your film. This is our film. It's our interpretation of that book. Um, but actually, everybody will have a... When you read it, because Maud speaks directly to you, you are running the film in your head. And, and what we have to do as filmmakers is we have to decide what is the, what is the important essence of that story. And we had decided it was Maud's story from Maud's point of view. And even though we shot scenes or they were in the script, gradually, 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 things get paired back and paired back until you end up with what is what we feel is the essence and everything that is in there contributes to the overall arc, if that makes sense. So it's decisions all the time. Yeah. What do you want audiences to take from this? I would love people to go home and phone their mothers, phone their fathers, phone their grannies, whatever. I, loneliness is a terrible disease, and this film touches on that as well as on dementia. And, you know, people turn 60, 70, 80, and we sort of dismiss them in our culture and actually why do we do that these people have lived such rich and important lives and they are there to teach us and to to and we need to be kinder i think to our elders other cultures have this much better than we do we put them away in a home or we we end up with care in the community because nobody funds it properly uh, yeah so i want people to realize that people like maud have pasts they are whole human beings with experiences. They've, they've led lives and they are people. They're not non-people. And it's a strong female lead as well. Uh, yes, I mean, uh, I think it's really amazing that Glenda did this. And I think she's taught us all a lot because I thought, OK, we've got 26 days to shoot. And, you know, she's in most of those days. I think it was only two days she wasn't there. And I thought, will she, an 83-year-old, be able to manage this? Will she know her lines? She was on the 8 o'clock every morning, made up, costume beautifully up, knowing her lines, 
smart, smarter than any of us, actually. And I thought, well, if I can go another 20 years and be half that bright, I'd be pleased. And she actually did raise everybody's game. I mean, I've never before seen so many sparks and, and hard-bitten grips round the monitor going, she's amazing. I mean, it's quite something to get that level of cynical film crew really being impressed with her. Yeah. And I think, too, it was all in her expression. I think uh, yeah, you I want think to ask a question. Interesting. With the police officer, um, I thought it was so clever that you had him infantilize her because she's not young, she's not juvenile, she's just in the wrong timeline. And I thought that was carried out so well. I'm wondering if you considered all the, how you considered all the times that she was kind of picked at while having trouble with her memory and how you went about that. I think the key thing about Maud is, we've said it before, but Maud thinks everyone else is mad. Yeah. <laughs> She's the sane one. And we wanted the film to reflect that. We are, you know, we are seeing the world through her eyes. And one of the amazing things about the way it's written by Andrea and Emma and the way Glenda plays it and Ashley directs it is that she's never playing the disease. She's playing the woman. And the woman existed before the disease. And I find that really moving, actually, because, and, and, th and that's what was brilliant about Glenda. She never played dementia at the forefront. She played Maud, who, mm. who she was before she got ill. And I love that about her. But of course, the policeman and many other characters see the disease first and foremost, and the woman second. Yeah. Yes, indeed, and she's never a victim. I'm sorry to have to call an end to matters, but uh, we do have to do so. Thank you so very much indeed. Uh, thank you uh, for coming along. And uh, Sunday night, 9 o'clock, BBC One, Elizabeth is missing.